0: I want you to imagine this scenario. What would, and think about what you would do in these circumstances. Your very best friend in all the world. In fact, not just your best friend, but the person that you absolutely admire more than anybody else, more than anybody you have ever known. Your best friend, your most admired person in life. This person comes to you and tells you that he has been receiving death threats, death threats he's getting death threats. maybe uh, he's received some letters in the mail. Uh, maybe he's been getting some mysterious phone calls in the middle of the night. but he' been he's been getting death threats for sure. Uh, he knows where this is coming from. He knows that the people behind these death threats are powerful people and he tells you that he is sure that in the very near future, he will be killed. What would you do? What would you do in a circumstance like that? Well, I think any of us would immediately seek to prevent that from happening. This is your best friend, your most admired person. He's, he's under threat of death. He's pretty sure they're going to be able to succeed in killing him. What would you do? Well, you'd take all measures possible to try and prevent that from happening. You'd certainly call the police, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you call the police and tell them what's happening? Wouldn't you do something to get some help? Put him in a safe place, protect him, keep him away from the people who are threatening him, hide him if it comes to that, you know, hide him in some secret place? I think those would all be normal and proper reactions for us if our uh, most admired, loved person was under that threat. Now, if you can picture that, in your mind, I don't think it's too hard to imagine a scene like that. If you can picture that scene, that is almost an exact parallel to the text in Mark chapter 8, beginning verse 31. Read it with me. In Mark 8, verse 31, He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and strives and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of man. Do you see the parallel to the situation we are just describing? Put yourself in the shoes of Peter. Peter has just heard from Jesus. He loves Jesus. Jesus is his most admired person. And he's just heard from Jesus that there are some very powerful people who are threatening to kill him. In fact, he has even indicated they're going to succeed. It's going to happen. These powerful people are going to kill me. Peter reacts with, I think, absolutely good motives. And his reaction is completely understandable. I think his reaction is pure and honest and sincere. Uh, We can't let that happen. That's not going to happen. But Jesus rebuked him. He, he, re, he received really a very stern rebuke from Jesus with that expression that we remember, get thee behind me, Satan. We want to talk about this this morning, and I think there's some valuable lessons that we can draw from it. Would you agree with me that in this episode, Peter's intentions are absolutely good? He has all pure and good intentions in this matter. Would you agree with that? But even with good intentions, he was wrong. And we want to we want to see if we can draw some conclusions that are applicable to us uh, following along that same line. Before we get into it, we stop for just a minute to jo- uh, join with Yancey, his initial words of welcome. We're glad for everybody who's here. As he mentioned, some are visiting with us. We're glad you come our way. We hope you'll come back every time you have a chance. And we're always open to your questions. We're trying really hard here at College View to simply do Bible things in Bible ways. We're trying to conduct our worship and all of our work as a congregation according to the authority that we find in the New Testament. Uh, we're not claiming we're perfect in that, although that's our goal, obviously, is to do just exactly as the New Testament teaches. And so if you have any questions, please ask questions. We'll try to give you a Bible answer for our, our, our methods and our work here at College View. If you find us to be in error about something, we certainly would want you to bring that to our attention. Uh, We'll sit down and study together, and if we are in error, you will do us a great favor to tell us so, so that we can correct that. We simply believe that we honor and glorify God by following His Word as carefully as we possibly can. And that's what we're trying to do. We thank again everyone for being here this morning. I want to tell you that even with good intentions, and I I, I want you to draw your mind back to that episode there with Peter. When Peter had been told by Jesus, I'm going to, these powerful men are about to kill me. Peter said, no, we can't let that happen. His intentions were all good, pure, sincere, genuine. But he was still rebuked by Jesus. And from that, I would conclude that even with good intentions, you can be mistaken. You can just be wrong. Even with the very best of intentions, you can be wrong. had a friend a number of years ago who, who read about a health food that was considered to be a sure cure for whatever it is that ails you. This particular health food was very beneficial. It's good It's just what you need. And he got convinced by what he read that that was so. And so he got some of it. And he took a very big dose of it because it's good. It's good for you. It'll cure you. It's it's, it's just just the thing, you know. And he was very well-intentioned that he wanted uh, the the health benefits that this cure-all would provide. He actually got really sick from that. He took a huge dose of it and he suffered in bed for over a day uh, after he had consumed it. Well, his intentions were good, right? He had good intentions. He thought it would help his health. It actually harmed his health. He was just absolutely mistaken. We know that the Scriptures teach that that can happen to us religiously as well. There are an awful lot of people religiously, who really have good intentions, and they are sincere and genuine and honest-hearted people, but they just are wrong. The classic example from the New Testament of a man who was in that situation is Saul of Tarsus, whom we know better as Paul the Apostle. When he was retelling his life uh, in the later chapters of Acts, as he was telling about what had happened to him, he spoke about his former life in Acts 26, beginning verse 9, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. He was working hard to persecute the church. He was hunting down Christians and putting them in prison. He was even a party to their killing. They were being, some were being put to death, and he was a part of that, he said. But notice he said, I thought is what I ought to do. And I believe even in that despicable act of persecuting and putting to death those Christians, he thought he was right. His heart felt good. He had good intentions. In chapter 23 and another one of his defenses in Acts 23, verse 1, Paul earnestly beholding the council said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And I really believe that Paul means there that his conscience was good even back in those days before he became a Christian. His conscience was clear. He was persecuting the church. He was having Christians put to death. But his conscience was clear in the matter. He thought he was doing the right thing. And so, he had good intentions. But he was just absolutely wrong. That was Paul we were describing. Just earlier, we were reading when Jesus rebuked Peter... Get thee behind me, Satan. Peter was good intentioned, but he was also wrong. And so I think this just reminds us of an important reality. And that is that sincere people can be wrong. Sincere religious people can be wrong. Sincerity is not the acid test. It's important to be sincere, but it doesn't ensure that you're right. You're going to, have to go further than that to make sure you're right. So, even with good intentions, you can be mistaken, Even with good intentions, you can be carnal-minded. Now, when we speak of being carnally-minded, it sort of goes in line with some of the discussion that we had here in the auditorium class this morning. It's possible to just look at things exclusively from a this-world perspective, here and now, and not to think about things from a spiritual mindset, not to consider eternity, to just think about the here and now. You know, even people with good intentions can be locked into this carnal, this world, physical mindset only. God wants us to look beyond that. God wants us to look beyond this physical life to see things in the eternal or the spiritual way. In Romans chapter 8, verse 6, Paul says, For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Do you see the contrast there? There's a difference between looking at things purely from this life's perspective and from looking at it in the spiritual mindset. And we need to look at things spiritually. Satan, of course, wants us to do just the opposite. He, he doesn't want us to think spiritually. He, thinks, he wants us to think just about here and now. He wants to cause us to be distracted by the present world, to be carnally-minded people. That's what He wants us to do because He knows that serves His purpose. He wants us to be lost eternally. All of us have had occasion, I'm sure, various times, to watch magicians do their work. And some of them are just absolutely amazing. I mean, it just leaves you scratching your head and wondering, how in the world do they do that? But you know, of course, that what a magician does... Is achieved by the, our expressions by sleight of hand, and what a magician tries to do, his, he achieves his goal if he can get you concentrating on this over here, while well, he's doing his thing over here. You're watching this. This is drawing your attention. His, his, he's accomplishing his outcome with what you're not looking at. Distract you to watch one thing while he works over here on something else. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not giving away any magician secrets because i don't know them but we do know that that's how they get the job done get you looking at one thing instead of what's actually happening and that's what satan is trying to do in our text when when jesus uh told his disciples uh i'm about to be killed by these powerful jewish rulers peter was not seeing things from the spiritual perspective he was sincere but he was just thinking about here and now, we can't let that happen. We can't let, we, we gotta do something, we gotta keep them from killing you. He was just looking at things carnally or physically from a this world mindset. We gotta be careful. We cannot allow ourselves to be so wrapped up in this world's things that we lose that spiritual perspective. We got to keep our spiritual eyes open and look at things as they are in the real sense. Uh, You know, if we don't, it causes us all kinds of problems in our personal lives, in our families, and and even in the church. Problems are caused when we look at things carnally rather than spiritually. The church at Corinth was a church that was just absolutely laden down with problems. They had all kinds of issues at Corinth. And Paul equated all the problems that were going on there to this carnal-minded outlook. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? And so even good men, even sincere men like Peter, can be carnally minded, and that's going to lead to spiritual disaster. We've got to be cautious about that. Sincere people with good intentions can also be harmful to the cause of Christ. Just because you have good intentions doesn't mean that what you're doing is good or helpful to the cause of Christ. We might parallel this to somebody cooking something in the kitchen. So the 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 cook in the kitchen has got something on the stove and they're cooking it. But everybody who comes by, the, so she steps out maybe for a minute, and everybody who comes by looks to see what's being cooked. And they, and they, with all good intention, take and add something else to the mix. Whatever it is, uh, fixing a stew on the stove or a, a pot of soup or whatever. Every person who comes by says, I think it would be good to add this. And so they add that. Every person who comes by, well intentioned, meaning to help, they add something else into the mix. You know what results? Of course, the end result is ruin. The end result probably is you can't even put that in your mouth without spitting it out. It tastes so bad. Every well-intentioned person who tried to do something didn't necessarily help. And so well-intentioned people sometimes can be harmful to the cause. Think about Peter and the example that's serving as the basis of our thoughts this morning. We, we, I think we all agree without doubt Peter had good intentions. But if Peter had had his way... And had prevented Jesus, if he had been if it had been possible for him to do so to prevent Jesus from dying, then the outcome would have been very hurtful. There would have been no sacrifice for our sins. All men would remain lost. There would be no hope. Good intentioned people can be hurtful to the cause of Christ. That could be true of us as well. Even with good intentions, sometimes we've seen Lost souls turned away. We've seen churches divided and all kinds of issues between brethren. Brethren alienated from one another. Well-intentioned, but don't just assume that because you have the best intentions that what you intend to do is helpful. Realize that. Uh, Understand it. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. The implication of that verse is not all the work that men might choose to do is good or helpful. It's going to be tried with fire to determine that. In Revelation 22, verse 12, Behold, I come quickly, Jesus said, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Not all of it will be good, and the Lord will know, and He will uh, reward us accordingly. Sometimes, I really want us to think about this point, because sometimes maybe someone in the local church is trying to do something, but it's not really working, and it's not helpful, and it's not good. And someone says, well, yeah, but he he wants to do good. His intentions are good. He's well-intentioned. Well, that's fine. Good intentions are important, and sincerity of the heart is necessary. But that's not the full indication of whether what they're doing actually helps the cause or not. Be aware of that. Good intentions do not prove that what you're doing is necessarily helpful. I would also point out that good intentions do not keep us from sometimes being worthy of a rebuke. Back to our example of Peter again. I, I don't know about you, but I would take that as being a very strong rebuke when he said to Jesus, uh, said to Peter, when Jesus said to Peter, "Get thee behind me, Satan." I don't know about you, but if someone said that to me, uh, I, I would take that as a very stern rebuke, a very harsh warning. You think Jesus was out of line when he did that? When he said, "Get thee behind me, Satan," was Jesus? You you spoke out out of turn there. You shouldn't have said that. It wasn't right. You need to take that back. You need to apologize to Peter for what you said because that's very hurtful. What you said to him it hurt his feelings for sure. Get thee behind me, Satan. Would you would you take the position that Jesus was wrong in what he said and the approach that he used? Well, obviously not, right? Jesus was perfect in every way. Jesus' approach was wise and flawless. And so, in that instance, he felt and Obviously, perfectly right in in what he did. Peter needs a rebuke. Peter needs a stern rebuke. Get thee behind me, Satan. So here's Jesus who's perfect, loving, compassionate, merciful, gracious. And yet, Peter needs to be rebuked in this case. And he does, and he does it in strong terms. I think the lesson we draw away from that is that sometimes that's needful in, in our situations as well. And even to a well-intentioned person, Peter was certainly well-intentioned. But even with good intentions, sometimes we need to be rebuked. Sometimes I need someone to come to me and tell me, you're just wrong about that, and you need to back up and change and do differently because what you're doing there is not working. That's not the right approach. If you see me in that situation, then and I deserve that kind of rebuke, then you're doing me a service to provide it. Do you see that? And contrary, on the other side of that coin is sometimes you will need that too. Sometimes you will need someone to rebuke you when you have been wrong. Even though you're well intentioned, and we're going to grant that. I hope that we can grant to one another that we always have good intentions. It may not always be so, but we ought to act upon that, on that assumption. Uh, I want to assume about my brethren that they always have good intentions. I want my brethren to think about me that I always have good intentions, but that does not mean That you are always right or that I am always right. And sometimes even with the best of intentions, we deserve to be rebuked and corrected. In uh, Titus chapter 1, verse 12, notice these are strong words from Paul. One of them, even a prophet of their own, said the Christians are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they be sound in the faith. Rebuke them sharply that they be in the faith, sound in the faith. In chapter 2, verse 15 of Titus, These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Notice, speak, exhort, rebuke with all authority. When that, when that rebuke, when that instruction, when that correction is given, we need to be ready to accept it. we gotta, we got to have that heart. Ready to be corrected when we need it. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, Paul told Timothy, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Sometimes even people with good intentions are worthy of rebuke. And I, I, we clearly see that in the case of Peter. So again, I want to draw your attention to that episode with Peter. When he said, you know, Jesus said, these, these rich and powerful men are, are threatening me and they're going to succeed and they're going to kill me. And Peter said, oh, I can't, can't let that happen. Get thee behind me, Satan, is what Jesus said to Peter. And, and we can certainly, I think, draw some important lessons from that example. What's your situation this morning? As I said just a moment ago, I, I hope that we can all assume of one another that we have good intentions But that's not enough. Your good intentions have to be matched with submission, compliance, obedience to the will of God. Have you become a Christian yet? Have you obeyed that simple plan of salvation? Hearing the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've never done that, we hope you make that decision without delay. If we can aid you in your your obedience, we'd be anxious to do that. Or if we could sit down and study with you, if you have questions, we'd be anxious to do that too. If there's any way we can help along those lines, we want to do it. If you're a Christian already, but you've fallen back and you haven't been faithful to your Lord, come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song.